guidance is a one of most uh, indispensable blessings that one can have in one's life. If you have a good guidance, you are not far from success and victories in life. Finding good guidance in life is not easy, however. Two former high school friends met one day after many years. One attended a college but wasn't very prosperous. The other one had not attended a college, never had much ambition, but become very, became very rich. The educated one asked his friends, so how did you become so wealthy? And the other friends answered, well, one day I opened the Bible and I dropped, uh, uh, opened the Bible at random and dropped my finger on a word and it was oil. So I invested in oil. Oh boy, did the oil wells gush. And then another day, I dropped my finger on another word and it was a gold. So I invested in gold and those mines really produced. Now I'm as rich as a multimillionaire. The educated friends were so impressed that when he rushed to his hotel, he grabbed his Gideon Bible in the hotel and flipped it open and dropped a finger on a page and he opened his eyes and the finger rested on the word, chapter 11. Even reading the Bible does not guarantee good guidance. Yes, I have plenty of examples that sincere people, well-meaning believers, even some great Christians misread the Bible and failed to take God's guidance. Today in our study on David, the king in the wilderness will find how we find and follow good guidance from God. By the way, I want to dedicate this message to our rising high school seniors. Do you know we have a largest high school senior class in our church history? Sounds like we are 100 years old church. We are just a six years old church, but we have a largest rising high school senior class. Bethel, Emma, Lauren, Nico, Noah, and Chris. I pray that God leads our high school uh, seniors and eventual graduates to the colleges where they will meet not only impressive, but inspiring professors who really care about them and mentor them, as well as the spiritual leaders and community that can guide them spiritually. And I want to assure you then no matter what college you go to, whether you're dream school or not, you can find God and his wonderful guidance if you seek him first. And I want to tell you that with God, you can go anywhere and your dream will come bigger than you can ever imagine. Proverbs 3, 5 said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make a straight your path. And Isaiah also said, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire, even in scorched, scorched places, and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. So today we will talk about God's guidance. And the last reader today is a text. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 to 15. Last time we saw David was when he was in the cave of Adullam in chapter 22 in Judean wilderness. He was a fugitive hiding from wrath of ambitious, uh, uh, envious king Saul and 400 people came to him. Today we will see the first story of David and his band of brothers in the cave. And I want you to uh, unmute and let's read it responsibly. I'm going to read uh, per, uh, even num uh, odd number of verses, and I invite you to read an even number of verses. So let's read responsibly. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kayla and are looting the threshing, uh, threshing floors. Your turn. He inquired, he inquired of the Lord, Lord saying, Shall I, 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 I
But the Davis man said to him, Here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more than we go to Kela against the Philistine forces? Once again. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered him, I am in your hand. So David and his men went to Kela, fought the Philistine, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted a heavy losses on Philistine and saved the people of Kela. Now, he fled to David at Kela. Saul was told that David has gone to Kela, and he said, God has delivered him into my hand. So David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with the gates and bars. And, and Saul and called all his forces to battle, pulled out to Kayla, and When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the effort. Will the citizens of Kayla surround me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant as a hurt? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And their Lord said, He will. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Kayla and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told David has escaped from Kayla, he did not go there. Today's story illustrates how we can find God's guidance in the example of David as well as how we fail to find God's guidance in the example of Saul. David and Saul were the contrasting examples of opposite experiences of God's guidance and grace. So let me first give you the uh, three outlines, three, three, three acts. Mm -hmm. divide, I, I divided today's story into three acts uh, to outline the story. The first act is a David, the servant of God. David, the servant of God. Second act is about Saul, self-focused king, self-focused king. Third, God the Savior, God the Shepherd and Savior, God the Shepherd and Savior. And also, along with these outlines, I want you to uh, make a note on the uh, acronym ASKS, S, ASKS, for the four principles about finding and following God's guidance in our life. So let's go to Act One, David the Servant. One day, David received an intelligence report in his cave. Verse 1, when David was told, look, Philistines are fighting against Kayla and rooting the threshing floors. What did you do if you are hiding and trying to be as stealthy as possible for your survival? Then you heard an unfortunate story about a nearby town. Let me show you the map about today's story. So if you look at the map, do you see the uh, Adullam in the center? And the uh, Gath, that's what the, uh, one of the major uh, capitals of uh, Philistines. And then Kayla was uh, uh, south of uh, uh, Adullam, just a few miles. Kayla was a town near the western border of Judah and also uh, near the edge of a Philistine territory. Now, Unfortunately, at the harvest time, Philistine attacked them. And this was planned attack. Harvests were the most economic, economic times in ancient Palestine. This was not a spontaneous skirmish in the border area. Philistine raiding party was well prepared 
and timing and time for this. They were timing for this attack. So if you were David, what would you do? The most important sentence in today's story comes in the verse 2. He inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. This is a most important moment because this is the first time in the story of David that we have heard a direct communication between David and the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, and then Lord, he asked God, shall I go and attack this Philistine? And then God said, yes. And David inquired of the Lord is a most characteristic expression of David's life. David inquiring of the Lord was a most common activity in his life. Among all those people who inquired of the Lord in the Bible, David constantly sought God's guidance and asked for his will more than anyone. Again, David was a man after God's heart. This that expression was not a, just a poetic and sentimental expression, but it came from persistent seeking of God's will in his life. David constantly asked God's guidance. Today's story tells us David sought God's guidance three times. Three times. Last time, I told you that God intentionally brought and cornered David into a cave of Adullam to teach and train to be a good ship to God first. What does a good ship do? A good ship is a one who constantly seeks and follows and moves after the shepherd's voice. The most important truth and principle of finding God's guidance is, num is number one is this. We always ask the Lord first. We always ask the Lord first. Bible calls us to ask God for his will and guidance in our life. You know, James 4.2 says, you do not have because you have not asked. And also James 1.5 said, if any, any, any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. Our God is a God of a revelation. That's the God we believe in the Bible. Personal God who is, who is willing to reveal his heart to us. Now, some of you might ask me back, Pastor Paul, I asked God, but I heard nothing but a silence. Hold your horse for now. Let us see uh, the rest of asking God's guidance in faith because James uh, 4.3 also says that when you ask, you do not believe because you ask with the wrong motive, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when you ask God, we need to ask God, and we need to ask for God's glory. Everything we ask must aim at God's glory. And because you ask God to bless you, before, I mean, before we, before we ask God to bless us, we need to ask ourselves, is this for God's glory? Is this for God's glory? Why, 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 why do we ask that question first? Because God created us for his glory and pleasures. You know, that doesn't mean people misunderstand that as if a God lacks glory and then wants to you know, add a glory through us. That's not what, you know, Bible means. God is perfect. He's full of glory. When Bible said God created us for his glory, that means God wants us to participate in his glory. So when we do things for God's glory, that's when we experience the deepest satisfaction and the highest honor and the greatest joy. So anytime we ask God, we need to ask, First, is this for glory of God? Now, why did David inquire of the Lord today? For whom was David asking God's guidance? He was asking for the good of people of Akela, not his own good. Verse 2, 
he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines who is raiding Caleb? And the Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Caleb. Save them. As soon as David asked the Lord, Lord answered him, Go and attack Philistines and save Caleb. Here we see the David, the servant of God. David the servant. David wasn't asking God's guidance for his own good, but the good of others. You know, when we ask God's glory for the for good of others, let me tell you, God will answer our prayers and guide us to help others. The most challenging part of the today's story was that David was a fugitive in hideout, yet he felt God's call to serve others even in the most dangerous time of his life. Although he was barely surviving day to day, he could not ignore more desperate people. The crisis of Caleb was more urgent to Dave than his own crisis. Today's story shows us David was a truly servant of God rather than a survivor. He never forgot God's call and his identity to be a shepherd of Israel. Now, Forest Church, people of God, I want us to recognize this. There is no good time and place to serve God than here and now. If we wait for perfect time and place to serve God, you probably, we probably have to wait until we get to heaven. I want us to remember that we serve God even in the pandemic. God can use our prayers, emails, social media, texting, cars, and phone calls more than before. So we let us reach out to even our VIPs and loved ones during this pandemic and tell them that we care about them and we pray for them and ask them, what's their specific, is there anything that we can pray for them? And let them know that God cares for them through our contact. Now, Second principle of God's guidance is this, that we find through David is this. Are we serving God or are we serving ourselves? Serving God for his glory and good of others requires surrendering, surrendering. That's the second acronym, S. First acronym is always S, God. Second acronym, S, is a surrender yourself to God before you ask his guidance. If we are following God for his glory, God will lead us for sure. You know, if you are, follow, if you are willing to follow God even in a dangerous, precarious situation, God will guide you with more protection and power than ever before. Wouldn't you? If somebody is committed to you like that, even though I'm not, you know, I'm not great as God, but if somebody committed to me like that, I'll do my best to protect and guide that person who trusts me and sticks with me. If a human like I want to do my best in guiding, how much more Almighty Heavenly Father would guide us when we trust Him and surrender ourselves to His goodwill? Now, when David shared God's answer with his people, what did they say? Did they say, David! You are truly man of God, Israel's true warrior. We are honored to fight with you and for you. Let's go and save the Kayla, as God said, and shine God's glory. Is that what they said? Look at the verse 3. But David's man said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more than if we go to Kayla against the Philistine forces? They objected and rejected David's call. They were saying, Look, Captain, here in Judah, which is the territory of your tribe, we are still afraid. Even your home court, there are people who are spying for Saul. We are already hemmed in. We are barely getting by each day. And now you want us to go and fight these Philistine forces? These forces who prepare for this uh, harvest attack for some time, and they have better weapons? You must be out of your mind. How much more trouble and fear do you want us to have? With all due respect, Captain David 
This is not a time to fight, but it's the time to flee. It's a time to save our neck before we save others. David's followers here remind me of the disciples of Jesus later, who were reluctant to go to Jerusalem when Jesus told them to go. If you look at the John chapter 11, Jesus said to the disciple, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were there, tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of day daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person works at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Now, according to Jesus, God is our light. And as long as we walk with God, we will not stumble. In another word, when we walk by faith in God's love, God will guide and protect us. On the other hand, if we walk by sight, relying on our own wisdom, that's when we are in danger of stumbling and falling. The followers of David were in the same danger of a me-first and self-survival mode instead of surrendering themselves to God and trusting God. Now, if you are David, how do you respond to rejection of your followers? Would you be upset and tell them you are so selfish and coward. I thought you are a warrior, but you are nothing but whimpers and whiners. Oh God, I quit. Or some of you, maybe house church shepherds, you might say, you did not give me good people to work with. My house church people don't appreciate me. What I do for them. They don't care about spiritual accountability. At least I ask them to tell us why they are missing. They never tell me. Well, let's see how David responds. Here, I see David's wisdom and faith as a good shepherd. Look at the verse 4. David asked God again. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. Lord answered him, Go down, Kayla, for I am giving to Philistine into your hand. David's response was not to argue with a man, but again to consult with the Lord and ask him again. He was saying, Lord, my man, your people, don't see it. Help us see clearly your will. Here, I want us to remember this. Look at me. Yes, look at me. <laughs> this is important. David did not take their rejection personally, but prayerfully. David did not take the rejection of his followers, of people, his co-workers, personally, but prayerfully. He took their selfish perspective to God in prayer and asked God to clarify for him or for them. So he asked again. That's the number three principle of finding God's guidance. Especially in times of disagreement and confusion and hesitation, that is, you keep asking God. So ASK, Always ask God, surrender yourself to God, and K, keep on asking God. God who calls us will keep on calling us. You know, God will never say, hey, I'm Almighty God, I'm busy. I, call, I told you once, but you miss it? Well, I'm too busy to call you again. God doesn't do that. God is our Heavenly Father. You know, one thing known for fathers Fathers, we tell our children what to do, what they need to do over and over again until they do it. And our God is a wonderful Father that when we fail to recognize His voice once, He will tell us again. So, just like God repeatedly called Samuel, the young Samuel, do you remember the story of Samuel? First time God called Samuel, Samuel didn't know it was God. He went to Eli, he's a, he's a master. And the third time, finally, he, heard, he, he, he learned that it's, a, it's God. So, 
You know, one good way to find the will of God is to actually keep on asking. Time is a great uh, asset test to discern the will of God. You know, when we want to do something at the beginning, and we have a great urge and uh, motivation, sometimes it is, con- you know, whether you, you wonder whether it's from you or from God, just uh, let, the time, let, the, let time sit on it. Because if God calls you, the voice, desire will get louder and stronger. Whereas if the idea came from you, at the beginning is a big, but as the time goes by, it's going to be shrink down and almost, you know, inaudible. Now, ask. God always. Seek God. Surrender yourself to God. And keep on asking God. When David asked God, inquire of the Lord once again, some biblical scholars here, the second time, David publicly asked the Lord. He made his inquiry of God public, so that everyone has the chance to know God's will. I think that's plausible because these people didn't make any qualms after the second inquiry. And God answered more clearly. Look at the way that God answered. Go down to Kayla. I'm going to give the Philistine into your hand. It cannot be clearer than that. And here, the word I is emphatic in Hebrew. And literally, God said, I will give Philistine into your hand. Notice here the connection between God's command and promise. God gives a command with a promise that I will give them to your hand. You know, we have to remember, every time God commands us to do something, we are not, going, we are not doing it alone. God is going with us. You know, I think that's why the, uh, the Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when Jesus called the disciples before he ascended to heaven, that go everywhere, go everywhere in the world and make, a disciple, uh, uh, make my disciples of all nations. You know, more I think about that uh, Great Commission, it's almost a comical and humorous because, you know, Jewish people thinking about uh, their understanding of a world geography, they're not, a, they're, they're not fond of traveling. They're homebodies. They love Jerusalem. They think Jerusalem is the everything. That's where God is. They don't want to go outside of Israel. And Jesus said, go out of it to these very ethnocentric Jewish disciples. Go and mingle with the Gentiles. And not just you know, around the Israel, but we're talking about everywhere in the world, every corner of the world. How do you think you know, disciples heard that great commission? I think it is totally uh, mind-boggling to them and that, oh, Jesus, there's still many people don't know about your resurrection in Israel, but you want us to go. You know, I bet they have a lot of, uh, you know, fear and apprehension. But the next promise of Jesus, I bet, really, really suit them, empower them. Because Jesus said what? Lo and behold, I'm with you always. You want, to, you want me to be with you? then go where I tell you to go. You are not going alone. I'm going with you. Command of God is always like this. Command of God to us never be separated from the promise of, promises of God. Now, with that, David and his, his band of brothers, they go down to Kayla. When command and promise met Obedience, there's a great victory. Verse 5 says, David and his men went down there and fought with the Philistines, brought away their livestock, that means talking about Philistines' livestock, and struck them with a great blow. David saved the inhabitants of Akela. Here, we see David, the servant of God, becomes a savior of his people. 
Now, let's go to Act 2. Act 2, let us see the example of someone who misses God's guidance in his life. That's the King Saul. Look at the way that verse 7 starts. Verse 7, Saul was told. Saul was told. This is a direct comparison of verse 1. Look at the verse 1. When David was told. Writer of 1 Samuel is contrasting two kings in terms of their attitude toward life intelligence and God's guidance in life. Both were told. One was asking God for his purpose and guidance. The other one was assuming his purpose as a God's purpose. So verse 7, Saul was told that David has gone into Keilah. And he said, God has delivered into my hand. For David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with the gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle and go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. Here we see multiple ironies, ironies and the stark contrast. First off, King Saul should have inquired the law regarding Philistines in the first place when he heard they were attacking Kayla. That's what King, Israel's king, was supposed to do. But he did not ask anything about Philistine. Here Saul was committing so-called dereliction of a duty. He's neglecting his duty. While David was carrying out the rescue mission above beyond his situation. And second, Saul did not ask anything to God. He didn't actually talk to God. Instead, he assumed God was on his side. He read the intelligence in light of his own agenda, his own, his own preference, his own you know, wishes. Here is a very dangerous story, dangerous case that we have to pay attention. Don't read intelligence or life in a circumstance in light of your own desires, but always check with God. So Saul did not rejoice because God delivered Philistines to his hand, but rather he was ecstatic because now David is in the confined place instead of an open country where he had a hard time to chase him. So Saul said, oh, he's in prison. He's almost in prison himself. So one thing clear is this. Saul was seeking God's guidance to satisfy his personal need more than serving God's purpose. And they recognize this. Look at me. Difference between David and Saul is this. David tried to fit his agenda to God's guidance and glory. Saul tried to fit God's guidance to his agenda. To David, God is a goal, and his life is a means to that goal. To Saul, God is a means, and his life is a goal. Do you see the difference? You know, this story of a Saul who assumes about God also reminds me of many Christians uh, when we fail to recognize God. You know, many of us fail to recognize God and receive God's guidance because we are so self-focused. When you self-focus, you got the wrong assumption about God. And then let me tell you one good example of it. Many Christians, especially young, young Christians, they're young men, you know, people in the critical life stage, they ask this question, what is God's will for me? What is God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Well, even though question itself is legit, we need to find out where we emphasize in that question. Is the will of God that I'm really seeking or for my life is where I'm highlighting? Do you follow? Am I seeking will of God or will of God for my life? Where you accentuate, depends on where you accentuate Either you are David or you are Saul. 
You know, because people that who really experience God is not those who are always trying to find God in their every details of their life. No. It is actually those who put every details of life to align with the God's purpose. They are the ones who experience God. You know, when we obey God's known will, then we can now ask God's unknown will. You know, uh, Mark Twain, you know, uh, uh, I think is correct, correctly said this. He said, my problem is not unknown will of God. My problem is unknown will of God. He's absolutely right. When we obey will of God, we already know today. Let me tell you, God will never fail to show his will for tomorrow. So instead of asking, what is the will of God for my life? We need to ask, what is the will of God, period? What do I need to obey God today and here? And when we faithfully obey God in each step, when it comes to critical you know, stage of our life, such as whom to marry, what to study, what kind of job we get, and where to move, and so forth, God will open the door at the right time, at the right moment. So, focus is not on yourself, but on God. And then God is the one who loves us more than anyone. I wanna, I want us to, uh, I want us to, uh, I want to share a well-known Bible verse that a lot of Christians uh, recite, but I, I think that they don't know the full story of that the promise. Look at the Jeremiah twenty-nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. All right. I see this you know, promise many places. Christian universities and Christian homes and people's you know, phone, everywhere. But you know what God was promising in Jeremiah 29, 11? It's not individual, personal, Christian prosperity, or a blank check of a faith and wealth as some prosperity gospel preaches. You know what God is promising is a hope based on his companionship. What is God promising is, is a companionship. You need to read that passage a little bit further. So let's read a little more. Then you will call me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You know, context of the Jeremiah 29, 11 is promised, is God was sending them to Babylonian exile. You know, God's plan to prosper them will take them into a most difficult journey that Israel ever known. The captivity of a Babylonian captivity. Through that exile, they will be humbled and they will be desperate. And that's when they cry out to God with all of their heart. And God said, that's when you will know me. And actually, God went to exile with Israel. And there they met their shepherd. And there they saw that God, God's protection. And seven years later, God brought them back. So what is a God, you know, what God promised? When you find, what is God promised is a companionship. So there are a lot of Christian books about the finding will of God. You know, there are some people who are saying that God is supernaturally you know, reveal his will for us, you know, if we have a faith in God, and that there's some kind of direct, you know, line to God, kind of, you know, very charismatic kind of approach. You know, overall, what Bible tells us, finding will of God is a relationship. The way that the biblical principle of a finding will of God is a we grow in our relationship with God and through which we experience God's wisdom, and we trust God's wisdom. And our trust of God doesn't happen overnight. 
just one catastrophic or spectacular kind of event. It takes every journey, every day, step by step, just like a muscle grows a little bit by little bit every day. Our muscle, spiritual muscle of a trust of God grows a little bit by little bit every prayer, every turn, every you know, request, every inquiry. It just brings us God's wisdom and love for us bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's how we find the you know, guidance of God. You know, people who don't grow in relationship with God, they seek God only when they're desperate. Only when they try to, you know, need God for their agenda. Only when their resources ran out. That's what Saul did. Saul sought God only when he felt like it or he really needed And guess what happened? Saul ultimately failed because he did not repent, but he only regretted. And he saw God desperately, but only for selfish purpose. So later history, First Chronicle chapter 10, tells us about Saul this way. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not seek the word of God, even consulted, and even consulted a medium, so a spiritual medium, more like a, a fortune teller for guidance, and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned his kingdom over to David's son, Jesse. Did you see that he did not inquire of the Lord and the Lord put him to death? Let me translate this critical passage in contemporary passion. Many 21st century Christians will die because they are unfaithful to God. They do not seek and keep the word of God, but they, they first consult with a human expert, and they seek human intelligence, such as a higher education, career planners, and close friends for life guidance, and they do not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord let them perish in their dreams and turn the kingdom over to others who forsake his, his purpose and righteousness above their personal agenda. You know, story of a soul is not so it's a, 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 a somebody's story. It is actually our story. If we are self-focused more than God-focused. Let me move on quickly to the final act. The God the shepherd and savior. This is the conclusion of our story. Third time, David asked God for guidance when he heard the soul was descending into Kela with his army. And the uh, interesting thing was, if you look at the verse 9, David, learned, uh, De- uh, David uh, said, uh, said to the Abiathar, the priest, to bring the effort. And David said, Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Kela and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Kela surrender me to them? Will the soul come down as your servant has heard? Lord God of Israel, tell your servant. And Lord said, he will. Again, David asked, is there a chance that citizens of Kela surrender me and my men to Saul? And God said, yes, they will. You know, a couple of things to notice here. God seems to like, uh, David has uh, many different ways to seek God's, uh, God's advice here, God's guidance here. Before, it seems like uh, God, David prayed to God directly, but this time, David used the effort of a priest. Effort of a Jewish priest, they have a breastplate, which has uh, two special instruments of seeking God's will called Urim and Thummim. It's, uh, it's kind of a stone, black stone or a white stone. It's like uh, casting lot and to find out God say yes and no. And the Abiathar is a sole survivor of a town of Nob. If you remember the chapter 22 story, this is when David was helped by Abiathar's father, Ahimelech, the priest. Uh, and then later, King Saul massacred the entire town. And uh, uh, Abiathar was a sole survivor. 
So he brought the father's you know, priestly effort to David. And so David, in a way, has a legit priest. And more and more, the kingdom is becoming legit, kingdom of God. Now, another thing is that, so with that, David asked God, and God clearly confirmed. People of Kayla, it's not like they, uh, they're not ungrateful to David, but last time, when somebody helped David, even unknowingly, look what happened. Entire town was uh, you know, wiped out. So verse 13 says, David and his men, about 600 in number, left Keilah and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David has escaped from Keilah, he did not go there. And David stayed in the wilderness strongholds, in the hills of the desert of Zip. Day after, David, uh, day, after day, day, Saul searched for them, but God did not give David into Saul's hands. By the way, do you notice that verse 13, David has now how many people? 600. Last time in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, David has 400. During this short period of time, David's you know, band of brothers grew from 400 to 600, 50%. Where do you think you know, David got this man? You know, it's my uh, uh, speculation, but I kind of you know, think it's uh, plausible because even though many in Kayla were actually betraying David, there are some who are really grateful and very impressed with the David's shepherd heart for the people and servant leadership. They, when David was living, they are joining David. That's my take on that. But important thing is this. Day after David, day after day, Saul searched for David, but God did not give it David into Saul's hand. And here, we see, we see clearly which one is more superior, human intelligence or divine guidance. No matter how many great human intelligence, such as a great stock tips or great you know, college advice and whatever you know, network you have, nothing beats God's guidance. When you make the Lord as your shepherd and follow him, let me tell you, God is the greatest social networker. God will surprise you from time to time, connecting you to surprising people and protecting you. I know I preached over 40 minutes, but bear with me. I want to end today's story with the last you know, episode of chapter 22. Look at the verse 19. This illustrates, this last episode in chapter 22 is very important. It actually tells that even though people fail us, God never fail us, and we can trust God. So let me, let me quickly read and then let me wrap up today's message. Verse 19, chapter 22, verse 19. The Ziphite went to Saul at Gibeah and said to him, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds of Horesh, on the hill of Hakilah, southern Jashmon? Now your majesty, come down whenever it pleases you to do so. We will be responsible for giving him to you. Saul's replied, Lord bless you for your concern for me. Go and get more information. Find out where David usually goes and who has been there, uh, who has been, who has seen him there. They tell, uh, they tell me he is a very crafty. Find out all the hiding places he uses and come back to me with a definite information. <laughs> then I will go with you. If he is in the area, I'll track him down among the, all the clans of Judah. Now, look at me. Saul was once again ecstatic for this intelligence, because this intelligence is better than any intelligence he got ever before. One, better than one he got about the Kayla. Because the Ziphite, they were one of the clans of a tribe of Judah. They are the, one of the clans of a tribe of Judah. That means today, David's own tribe men betrayed David, handed it over to Saul. If anyone knows the pain and depth of a human betrayal and evil, that's a David. Now you understand why David's psalm has all kinds of anger and frustration and protest 
and you know, because his own betrayed him. And Zephite, they were saying that we will put the David's head on the plate and bring it to you. We know, we know where he goes. And that's why Saul was, was Saul was said, thank you, God bless you. You really, you know, no mice, you know. This is why Saul was so ecstatic. Let's finish the rest of the rest of the story. Verse 24. So they set out and went to Zip ahead of the Saul. So Saul sent it out the special Delta force or whatever force, you know, ahead of him to capture David. Now David and his men were there in the desert of a mound, and the Arabs also of a judgment. Saul and his men began to search, and when David was told about it, he went down to the rock and stayed in the desert of a mound. When Saul heard this, he went into the desert of a mound in pursuit of David. Do you see that two armies, two, par two party of Saul's army was kind of chasing David? So verse 26, Saul was going along on the one side of the mountain. David and his men were on the other side, hurrying to get away from Saul. And Saul and his forces was closing in on David and his men to capture them. You know, uh, military, uh, mili military uh, people, they're saying that what Saul was doing here is so-called the pincer movement, dividing you know, into two parties and the pressuring the enemy in the two sides. So David has uh, no way to run. He's uh, completely surrounded, no way out. He's doomed at the very moment. Verse 27, messenger came to Saul saying, come quickly, Philistines are raiding the land. Then Saul broke off his pursuit of David and went to meet the Philistines. That's why they called the place Selah Hamakaloth, the rock of a departure. And the David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of En Gedi. Well, this was an action-packed story. As a moment of a doom came to David, God saved David in nick of time. You know, did you know Bible can be this thrilling? And uh, it's more thrilling because we are in the, also in that story too. You know, amazing thing is, uh, how did God save David at the end? Through whom? Philistine. Philistine. Today's story starts with the Philistine, the attack on Kayla, and then it ends with the Philistine, attack on the, another part of Israel where the King Saul has to go quickly. What do we call this? Story begins and ends with the same ID, same people. It's an inclusio. And here we see God is an Alpha and Omega of those who love and trust Him. God will lead us first, and God will cover our back at the last. When you go with God, you will experience amazing salvation and guidance and rescue and revelation of God. Let us pray that God help us to go with him in our journey this week and the rest of the month and the rest of the year and the rest of this pandemic that we will really experience his amazing wisdom and grace and salvation. And let's pray.